the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's the unusual place to be here from the pulpit, isn't it? Not that we are not familiar with it. I think most of us are actually quite familiar with, with this book. But it doesn't seem like it suits well this type of expository preaching that we are used to. Maybe because it's just, it's just uh, full of these short sayings, these aphorisms, this, that there is almost like truisms, the so-called proverbs, right? And also to some, I think the book itself may, may look a little bit disjointed without its structure. But I would like to say that this is obviously not the case. The book is very well structured. Broadly speaking, we have three parts. We have this middle section where we have all of the Proverbs, and that covers from chapter 10 until the chapter 29. And you get these Proverbs, these sayings, this wisdom for all the areas of our life, from, from sex to money to family, work to wealth to character. The list goes on and on. And following this middle section, we have these two concluding poems that actually embody the, the reader of uh, Proverbs and the, the, the person who lives according to Proverbs and that is found in the, in, in the character of the wife, the, the noble wife in chapter 31. But these two sections, they actually preceded by this extended uh, introduction that um, actually consists of the, the prologue that we have just read. And we are hoping that today, as we unpack this section here, that we would see that there are some broad lessons, uh, even as an introduction to the book of Proverbs, that we can extract here in how we can learn and rely on Proverbs, how can we educate our children, and how Proverbs also points us to the gospel. And the key, the, the key point or the key verse is actually found on Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I think even before we jump in, into, into this, let me just draw a few distinctions here. In this very verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, verse 1.7. Fear here is not like this distrustful, this uh, instilled terror about God, right? Fear here is reverence, is awe, is, is this filial fear, like a, a fear, like a respect that a son has to his father. And even in the, the, the Lord here, we also have some uh, hints. Because if you, if you see that in your Bibles, it's used those capitalized letters, implying that the name used here is the name Yahweh, or the covenantal name of God. So it, it, it's, it sets the context of the conversation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Beginning here is not just as a starting point, but, but more as a ruling principle. That is to say that it's not as if uh, you start to have knowledge at this point, but to have knowledge in each, the, the basic principle is that you must have this fear of the Lord. And knowledge also requires a bit of a distinction here, because it's used some, some, sometimes interchangeably with the word wisdom as well. And knowledge in, in this context 
it's not just information, but it's more applied knowledge. It's more the sense of skill. It's the sense of what you do. So the whole book is framed in this mindset of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and it gives us this moral framework in which we can actually understand all the other uh, proverbs. And I think we can, from, from that point, we're going to try to contrast this verse with three lessons. The first lesson is that we see here, we call it Lessons from God. The book of Proverbs gives us lessons from God. And one way that we can tackle this is actually from the first verse, where, when we read the Proverbs of Solomon. To, to, to a point, it's patently clear that Solomon is not the author of this book. There are numerous verses, numerous proverbs that precede him. So some would even accuse, would use this to accuse the Bible of plagiarism. To say that the Bible actually borrowed from other traditions from Egypt and from other civilizations. They try to discredit the Bible because of this. But anyway, Solomon got the credit here, right? I don't know if you've seen this before, but in the so-called business world, sometimes you find these books uh, that were written based on Proverbs. And they borrow from the principles uh, of Proverbs to say that they can um, create a roadmap to success and to prosperity. You find things like the Solomon Secrets, 10 Keys to Extraordinary Success from Proverbs. Or this other one, the richest man who ever lived, King Solomon's secret to success, wealth, and happiness. You get the point, don't you? And perhaps, actually, to the, to the dismay of some, some of these instructions that can actually read as separate times, they actually work. They, they can actually be verified. Why is that? It's because... The book of Proverbs is filled with knowledge, with truths that stood the test of time, that inform us some degree of the reality in which we are. So, according to scriptures we've seen before in in verse uh, 7, that obtaining knowledge is predicated upon having the fear of the Lord, isn't it? We saw the ruling principle that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So we must clear, make a distinction here, because it, it seems that there is knowledge that is accessible and available without the fear of God. So what does the scripture want to tell us about it? We could probably as a didactic effort here, is split this into two realms almost. There is one realm, the horizontal realm, that can be accessible by human enterprise, scientific endeavor. And there is another transcendent realm, which is only accessible by revelation. So we have creation and we have revelation. And reality, according to scripture, is composed of both. So while some can um, 
enjoy God's common grace in creation, the, the complete knowledge, the complete picture is only available uh, through revelation. And uh, this evokes to me a passage that I, I, I love a lot. I, I, I do love the parables of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you remember, the disciples were discussing with the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were saying, well, these parables, they sound a lot like riddles. How can we unpack this meaning? And our Lord to them that he speaks in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing do not hear nor do they understand. Do you see the point? Truth can be hidden and truth and reality can be also revealed. How? And that we go back to our controlling principle is by possessing the fear of the Lord. It's, it's, it's the hinge that connects, the fear of the Lord is the hinge that connects both the, the horizontal and the vertical realms. And only with that we can start to understand the wisdom of God and navigate life in a wise, insightful, prudent, learned, informed, judicious way. True wisdom can only be found from God. And there's a flip side to that, isn't it? Because you probably know lots of people who appear to have a lot of knowledge, a lot of information. According to scriptures, there's no such thing as a wise atheist or a wise unbeliever. Why? Because if you have all the knowledge of the world and you don't know God, ultimately you have failed. Whilst we see and we experience godless people having success, having wealth, and having knowledge, at the end, from eternity's perspective, they do not have it. From eternity's perspective, they have no knowledge at all. And we see here, linking to this point, that the, the, the wisdom and the knowledge here that we see in the tradition of Solomon in the book of Proverbs was actually given by God. Right? We, we read this in First Kings uh, chapter 4, that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people. So, if we connect these two things and the fear of the Lord, we can see that God has given wisdom to his people. It is not secular knowledge. It's a different type of knowledge. It's a much more comprehensive knowledge um, that he has given us. And he has given us with a purpose for us to live well, to live good uh, in a practical way in this life. How can we apply this? I think this calls us to... To, to, to be humbled. First, to be humbled by the fact that this God, so great, so majestic, actually creates the world and gives us knowledge for our daily lives, for, for matters of wealth, for matters of health, for, for matters of even laziness. Or you, you find so many topics here in the book of Proverbs. It's very humbling. But it's also us to devote ourselves more and more 
And in studying these verses, you know that they are not just secular knowledge. They actually truths they stood the test of time and, that, and they, they have been given to us by God. And there's also, at this point, a warning to the unbeliever here as well, isn't it? Because it's saying that without God, we are wasting our time, we're wasting our effort. We may seek knowledge, but this knowledge will avail nothing at the end. So I think it calls us also to, to humble ourselves and to understand that to know things, we must fear God. So to come before him, we are called, and to leave our present, our pride, and seek forgiveness, and forgiveness that is available in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the good thing is, you would know this, and you also receive this practical knowledge to navigate life. So we've, we've seen that the book of Proverbs contains lessons f- directly from God to our lives, for us to glorify him and live well. And we see here also a pattern, because he dictates a pattern here. We see lessons for parents. How do we see that? If you see, um, you see that this knowledge comes from above, but also is, is we are asked to be actively engaged in putting it forward. See, for instance, in verse 8, we see, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching. This is actually a pattern that we repeat a few times, especially in this extended introduction from chapters 1 to 10, uh, from 1 to 9 in, in the book of Proverbs. There's this series of letters from a father to a son, hear my son, hear my son. And it, it's quite interesting that the whole book is actually framed w- w- with this imagery. If you see Proverbs 31, the very last chapter, we will also see the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So the whole book is filled with training lessons for the family. It invites parents to fulfill this role of transmitting God's wisdom to the family. It starts with a father calling his son to wisdom. It ends with a son who learned wisdom from his mother invites all of us to be actively engaged as parents in our um, in teaching our children. And then also, when we think about this, we can see that there's so many other things that makes the book of Proverbs suited to the task. First of all, in terms of its genre, it's mainly poetry. Poetry is highly memorable, isn't it? The other day, I I taught uh, like a short to my to my daughter Leah, you know you probably know the, the one that the patience is a virtue and virtue is a grace and grace is a grace. Who I know it's a bit it's a bit silly, but it's actually first of all it's true that patience is a virtue, and secondly she learned it very fast because it's memorable, it's easy to remember, it's emotionally powerful, it, it, it has so much meaning packed into it, isn't it? When you you say when you read poetry. There's so much condensed in the, in the, in the rhymes, condensed in the divisions, condensed into the metaphors. It's, it's, it's amazing. 
So we, we see that there's something in the genre that helps us, but also the other thing that would help us if we do not dismiss is the context. Remember that we've mentioned that some people actually find the book of Proverbs quite uh, disjointed or lacking structure. Because that's not the case, we consider its context. We actually uh, extract way more information, way, way more knowledge and wisdom from it. For instance, you probably have heard of this before. In Proverbs 26, which is frequently and naively accused of being contradictory, it reads, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, him yourself. Then the very next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Do you see, when you read the things in context, these proverbs, they were not put here at random. They actually juxtaposed, put one next to each other to make a point that sometimes you need to exercise discernment. And that's what the book of Proverbs help us uh, uh, to do. And then also, I think this, this very, uh, this, this very pair of verses here help us to understand another truth in the book of Proverbs. That it is not intended to be a, a, a comprehensive description about how we should live or how we should act. And it, it's, it's, it's more about probabilities. It's not the law. It's not the promise. It's not prophecy. It, it's about general observations, general cases. For instance, the general idea in the whole book is that fear God, get wisdom, do well, right? But we do see God-fearing people who do struggle. Isn't that the case? Actually, we, as people who follow Christ, we are characterized by, by suffering in many cases. So it's important to highlight this. Proverbs are not promises. Otherwise, we may incur in the case of, of reading too much into it. For instance, another proverb here that is quite famous, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he would not depart from it. God is not here guaranteeing you results. They're saying, train up a child and this will happen. You're saying this is the general rule and this is what we ought to be doing, what we'll be seeking to do. And I think we can even be convicted by, by this in a sense that sometimes we try too much, don't we? Uh, as we think, especially on this verse in the context of family education, we, we try to do too much and we see our children going away. We may try to blame uh, ourselves perhaps, but I think there's great <clears throat> relief here that we may think, that we may realize that it is not, and it never will be, the quality of our teaching that actually, or, or even the, the strict adherence to us to these rulings, that will bring the fear of God into the hearts of our children. And thank God for that. Thank God that it does, their salvation does not depend on, on our work. God may use our work, he would use our instruction, he would use our teaching, but ultimately, it depends on him. So let us thank God for the book of Proverbs. 
and that even from its very inception, from its very design, it's useful, trustworthy material that we can use uh, to educate our, our children, but it's not ultimately our responsibility to impart that knowledge into their hearts and souls. And then finally, I think we see, we've seen that lessons from God, lessons for parents, but we also learn here that, is, that there are lessons here about Christ. How come? Well, there's another passage that I love it, and it's the, the, you know, the, the, the passage of Jesus in the road to Emmaus, you know, Jesus is, is walking there, we are told, and he meets these two men, and they're talking about the recent events involving the resurrection. And to our Lord's astonishment, these men, they showed a complete lack of faith and understanding to, as to the purpose of those events of the resurrection. So Jesus began to explain to them, and then that's part of my point, he says, and now, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. All the scriptures, all the scriptures concern our Lord Jesus Christ. So I never tired. Every time I read the Old Testament, I keep looking, okay, where is the Lord Jesus Christ in here? And we see in this very first passage here, in the very first verse of the Proverbs, uh, that we read before, you know, the Proverbs of Solomon, right? The, 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 the son of David, the king of Israel, this already from, from the outset, they already provide and serve as shadows to Christ to appoint, right? Solomon, like Shalom, peace, who is the, the peace of Israel? Uh, son of David, who is the Lord of David? King, king of Israel, who is the kings of kings? So we, we, we see, we get this point. But I think there's a more nuanced image here. That throughout this whole book, we see this contrast. With the, why, we are presented with a choice, the choice for wisdom. The fear of the God is the beginning of knowledge. And we see this constra- contrast. Are you gonna fear the, are you gonna fear the Lord and you're gonna obtain wisdom? Or are you gonna reject God and you're gonna forsake instruction? And then, as we, as, as we see this, I think we one, need to ask this question. Who is this wise son? Who is this the perfect son who abides by, by the instruction of his father? Who is the perfect son? Who is the wise here? It is Jesus. It is the Lord Jesus. He is the son who is actually the embodiment of God's wisdom. And who is the fool? The fool is me. The fool is you. The fool is not someone else, some imaginary else. When you read this, remember, let the Proverbs convict you because it's you. We must and we should be constantly reminded that our wisdom, our efforts are futile and it leads to destruction. God's wisdom, even though it may seem foolish to the world, is actually and contains the power to save. And both the power to save and God's wisdom are found, are personified in Christ. So folks, when you read Proverbs, see Christ. 
Let the wisdom of the book of Proverbs convict you. Strive not to perform and, and to just strictly adhere to, to the wisdom that is shown here. But surrender yourself to him who is the embodiment of this wisdom. Surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you fail, he has succeeded you. So turn yourself to him who has redeemed you, who can sanctify you, who will go with you in this path to the kingdom to grow you in likeness, in his likeness and in holiness. Turn yourself to him, acknowledge your foolishness, and then we can rest in the peace that is found in his wisdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that is your wisdom that is found in the book of Proverbs. It's not secular wisdom, it's your wisdom. Seemingly common, and but yet of eternal power. It convicts us and it points us to Christ. Help us to live for your glory, to rejoice in you, by living a life that is modeled according to your wisdom and help us teaching our families how to be more like our Lord and how we can glorify you even in this humbling task of teaching our children. When we see them fail, remind us, Lord, that it's you who performs the work. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.